Are you ready to take your writing to the next level? Then welcome to the Book Editor Show. Join Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley each week as they teach you all the tips, tools, and techniques you need to move your book from manuscript to market. Visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books, and extras to make your old novel better than ever. Now, please welcome Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley. Welcome to the Book Editor Show. Today, we are discussing how to edit short stories for publication. If you're ready to move forward with your professional editing, stop by thebookeditorshow.com. We can help with every stage of your work from pre-production, developmental editing, copy editing to proofreading. Stop by today and let us know how we can help you build a better book. I'm Clark Chamberlain, and Peter is still out traipsing around Paris. He has made contact with me via Carrier Pigeon, and he's doing well and celebrated a fine birthday, I might add. So today, I'm joined by a special guest host. You know her as she who I messed up her name. That's right, folks. She's back again. The Austin editor, the one, the only, Leslie Lisa Watts. Leslie, how's it going today? It's going well, Clark. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm very excited. Um, in two days, I will be down at the Salt Lake Comic Con uh, with a booth there. And uh, I'm just really jazzed about that. Can I say jazzed? You can. Like, I can. Is that all right? Yeah. I didn't know yeah. if that one's still in vogue. <laughs> uh, it works for me. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What have you been up to? I have been. Okay. So I was just telling you a little while ago that I, I have a 40 day streak on my 10,000 steps, which is unrelated to editing, except that by doing that, I get a lot of energy for editing and for writing and everything else. So it's, um, really exciting and uh and i'm working in earnest on my story and we'll have some cool stuff to talk about um in that regard uh later yeah we will we've got uh, some very special stuff coming up in october um just want to tease it right now um but you'll really enjoy it so it's going to be a lot of fun and uh also um later this week we will have the uh story academy will be up and live with uh, four courses on there that you can take right away and then there'll be new courses added every month yeah so it's going to be really cool so that'll be out this weekend and it's going to be exciting fun stuff going on. So um, today I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this. Uh, last week we recorded the show on writership where we, uh, where we examined a short story uh, that was submitted. And so we thought it'd be fun to uh, take a look at short stories again over here and how we can edit these to be able to submit them for publication. Right. Yeah. Because they're a little different. A little trickier. We talked about that a little bit about how it's shorter, right? So you have to do most of the things you have to do in a novel. You have to just shrink them down and make it tighter. Yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, it's funny. You, you think, oh, well, short stories, that's going to be easier because there's not as many words to write. But, uh, but really, you are compressed with how much you can do. It's really you have to play with the economy of words there um, because normally when you're working on short stories, your idea is to submit them to a publication and they're going to have a very detailed list of what it is that they want. And one of these things is a word count. You know, they need to be, this is an example, between 1,200 and 6,500 words. So that means if you've got a 
one that you're really, you're like, I don't know what to do with it. It's at 8,000 words. I don't know what to cut down. And you just submit it anyway. That's immediately just going to be flagged and just tossed to the side. Yeah. Yeah. People like it when you follow directions. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> and, and I don't understand why. <laughs> um, they say it makes it easier. I don't know. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, they've set it up and that's, it's part of like, that's what, those are the parameters. And that structure, I think, actually, in a lot of ways can make the story stronger, because you are forced to look at everything and to do it efficiently. And that you might in a novel, especially like if you're writing a, an epic fantasy or something where you don't really have to be that careful about your word count, you might you know, be a little sloppier or a little, you know, verbose in places, much like I am now. And, uh, and, you know, and include things that you could actually cut. Exactly. So that's what one of the things we're going to be looking at here is how you can tighten all of that up um, and taking a look. We're assuming that you have one that's finished. Uh, that's a small manuscript ready to work on. And, um, a couple other just quick suggestions, you know, if you if, if it's something you haven't gotten done yet, you know, and you want to take a look at this, there's a lot of great resources. I'll uh, have them posted on the, the notes. Um, there's four great websites that show you both paid and unpaid places where you could submit your work. Um, and many of these are anthologies and anthologies are really cool because uh, they'll not only have a word count for you, they're also going to say it needs to be about this type of theme. You know, that uh, mm -hmm. maybe it's dystopian stories or maybe it's horror stories or maybe it's um, Amish romance stories taking place in the 1950s. Like, I mean, it can get that specific. Sure, sure. And, uh, and the word count, right, can be anywhere from just under a novella to flash fiction, which can be really, really short, mm -hmm. right? Different and, ones. And it can still be very effective, though. So, so let's, mm -hmm. let's start this out here. Um, the first thing you're going to do, you've got this finished and just like you're going to do with your regular manuscript in a very long form novel is that you want to take a look at a bird's eye view with it. You know, you want to be able to take a look at the whole story. Um, one of the best ways to do this is actually to lay your story out on a single sheet of paper and you're going to examine the scenes. You're going to label each of the changes in scenes that happen. And so in a, in a short story, you're either going to, well, normally they'll have one or two things. Either it all takes place in the exact same scene, in the same place in time, or it takes place over several different ones um, through small vignettes in time. So you want to take a look and write this down on your piece of paper on each time this changes. Um, and then the next thing you'd want to do is take a look at the character arcs. And, and once we have this down, we can start to see exactly how our story is unfolding. And then we can take a look at um, how we can make this tighter in different directions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, well, we were talking about um, uh, the episode this week on, on the Writership Podcast. We were talking about uh, where the story started. And you could see that when you were, you know, if, when you're looking at the big picture of the story and you still need all of the, you know, you still need the hook, right? And you still yeah. need the, um, you know, the, uh, what some people call increasing complications, other people have different words for it. Um, but, but the, the middle part where things get worse and worse and worse, uh, for the, 
main character and then of course the end you know coming toward the end you have the um the climax so you have the same basic structure mm-hmm. um and um and it's important you know again because it's shorter looking but not just because it's shorter but because it's a story and you want to engage people right away is where it should begin and where you know so that was the advice that we had um in episode uh 76 for the um of the writership podcast for the um author that you you know like kind of change where it starts and some of that um information providing yeah. there because a lot of times what ends up happening um is you're jumping in and trying to give acres of backstory <laughs> to the reader and explain all of this cool stuff in your mind and setting up the scene and in fact, you know, the scene could just be taking place in a very short, um, short time period. Like, uh, for instance, I'm going to forget the name of the the short story. It's by uh, Ernest Hemingway, though, and it, and it takes place at a, a cafe over like a four hour period of time. And you have different people coming in and out and you have these two waiters that are talking to each other. And so we only get glimpses of these people as they mm-hmm. come in and out of the story. And so right. this is one of those, is that you're examining your characters and which ones are the important characters and which ones aren't. Um, I'll give you a bad example here. And, and unfortunately this is not one of my own. I'll share one of my own in a little bit too, but um, this was one I received uh, on the bleak new world anthology and the submission, you know, I'm reading through it and it comes along to this scene where this guy is going to a, a hospital to visit his father. And mm-hmm. he has this really long conversation with this nurse and about, you know, about her and her history and what's going on. And, you know, and, and the, the conversation was awkward to begin with, you know, the hello, how are you? Well, I am fine. What is your name? My name is Sue. What is yours? And it, it goes back and forth with that for a little bit and then has all this stuff about her. And then she's just gone for the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really didn't help the story at all to have the dialogue or the interaction there because it didn't move the story forward and it didn't help develop the character. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, the, I think this, the story that you were, the Hemingway story, was it um, Hills Like White Elephants? Uh, no, that's no. not okay. it. That's a okay. that's one of the long ones. But uh, okay. I would be able to find it here in a, in a minute or two. Oh, sorry. But uh, but yeah, it it's a really good example of being able to take a short story in a single place in time, mm-hmm. and um, and it's a good one that you can take a look at there. I'm going to try to grab the real fast here. Okay. Um. So. Yeah. So should, should I will. Um, kind of keep talking while you're doing that. Uh, and w- um, what's your the, opinion on changing uh, the character, you know, to, to help bring in um, more of the, the audience and to be able to connect them faster. Changing the character, like the, the character's point of view or the character, like having a, instead yeah, so of changing the scene. Yeah. Instead of changing the scene, what if the, what if it's, you know, the character is what's stopping the flow or slowing things down. Yeah. I think that, um, you have to be, um, that's probably one of those edit your darlings kind of things. Like you have to, 
um, take that. Oh, da, 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 da. My thoughts are a little confused, but you need to take the, um, I mean, it's, it's a great device if it's working. Um, but I think that, um, over the shorter term, it's, um, probably less is more mm-hmm. and that you don't want to, um, you want to make sure that all of that is working within the within the structure of the story and that everything every person has a purpose and plays a specific role um given the given the genre given the story that you're setting up um and uh and that yeah that they're not just filler or oh i need i need someone to be talking here or something mm-hmm. like that yeah, and um, I found this real quick. It's a clean, okay. well-lighted place by Ernest Hemingway. Oh. It's a very short story, but it's a, a great example of uh, of tight dialogue, um, small description, and still being able to paint an entire scene in the reader's mind. Um, one of the things that you just mentioned, and I wanted to, to elaborate on, is not just having dialogue for the sake of dialogue. And one of the things that I think that people kind of forget is that we can, um, we can actually summarize dialogue. You know, we can, (laughs) you know, that we can, when characters run into each other, you can just say they made their quick hellos and and shook hands or whatever, you know, it is. You can summarize what that dialogue was. And in that way, you don't have to have anything that becomes across real clunky and awkward and it can save time. So mm-hmm. you can cut down on your word count and still be able to deliver. I, again, it's not showing. This is a tell method, but telling right. has its places as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess the point is to make sure that you, when you are including dialogue, that it's the very most important things to be, um, that need to be said, the words that need to be said, you know, because, uh, because the dialogue is action, right? Right. Um, and so focusing on what needs to be shown. So, and then summarizing what doesn't so that you can, you know, again, economy of words, um, in that, you know, in that tight structure and, so that everything, again, everything earns its place. Exactly. And it'll help create stronger stories as well. So let's take a look at these characters. And uh, let's say you've got two or three or four even that are having dialogue during the short story. And, and you've been reading through it. Maybe you've even shared it with a, with a writer's group. And it's coming across that, you know, the characters don't seem to be unique. Um, one of the things that you can look at immediately when you're going through your manuscript is take a look at the different characters and take a look at these three things. Look at the length of the dialogue. Do all of your characters say the same amount of words, you know, that you're finding that you're hitting about 10 words per sentence that the characters say, and then the other character says about 10 words. And so the length of the dialogue is all the same. You take a look at the, the words choice that they have, you know, are they all using the same vocabulary? Um, and then while they're speaking, you know, cause we want to toss in these little actions, you know, are they all doing the same type of thing? You know, uh, <laughs> are they all brushing their hair or biting their lip? 
Mm. Don't bite your lip. <laughs> you know, I think this is a really, um, this is a great point, you know, for, um, because you're dealing with a short story that you could take out the dialogue, you know, like you could copy and paste all of the dialogue for each character into separate documents mm -hmm. and kind of have them side by side so that you can tweak those things and, you know, and have like, have it be uniform per character, but not, but then, but different between characters and that that would be a great way to make them different, but consistent with, mm -hmm. you know, um, exactly. And it, and it sounds really stupid, <laughs> but it can be the start like, okay, yeah. character a only says five words per sentence. Character B says 10 words per sentence. You know, it, and it, it sounds again, sounds really kind of idiotic, but if you can start to do that and you can start to think, oh, they always overspeak. They always underspeak. You know, they're saying more with their body language than they are with their words. And you can really start to develop the character and then give them a unique voice. Right. Right. Like, oh, like that, because that reminds me of the post that I wrote about um, um, for last week on desires. And oh, yeah. That when you, um, oh, I'm going to lose my train of thought. No, no, no. Um, uh, say what you said again. I'm sorry. So that the, um, so that the characters can end up being unique. Yeah. So the, I guess what I'm saying is that, um, that you're the, what they say will reveal a lot more and that you are, yeah, it, it, it is kind of basic, but it's like, um, it's just like anything when you're starting, I think, is that you're, you're dealing with the, you know, the, the smaller blocks of things, the smaller, um, like you have to break things down and kind yeah. of deconstruct it before you can really understand how it all works. And so that's just one way of mm -hmm. doing it. Some people can probably do it more naturally. Um, but for me, especially like everybody sounds the same. Um, for your characters that you write? My characters, yeah. They yeah. all sound precisely the same until I break it, that down and understand who they are and what they want. And then it's a little easier to think, oh, well, this guy has, you know, this guy says more cuss words than this other person who never swears at all. And those kinds of distinctions. Yeah. And uh, you have friends out there, family who probably say particular phrases all the time, or, or maybe those, um, what was the one you were t saying about your dad? My uh, dad says, bar the door. Katie barred the door. And Katie I'm like, is it Katie? Like K-A-T-Y? Like, I don't know. I've never asked him about the specifics of it, but my dad has lots of things that he says that are kind of um, characteristic of him that he says, and nobody else I know says, Mm -hmm. um, and people are like that, right? They are. And, you know, you don't want to have, <laughs> you probably only want to have one of that type of uh, character dialogue. Per <laughs> you don't want them all saying their own unique things. But Oh, come on. <laughs> That'd be fun. It could be fun. Um, it could be but, uh, <laughs> but it could be a way, you know, that can set that person apart. Right. And so that you can immediately, as a reader, hear them without having to have a dialogue tag on the end of the sentence. 
Yes. Yes. I agree. And yeah. And I think so in the beginning that when you're figuring this all out, that having those, you know, those kinds of things will be, they will feel a little artificial probably. And then as you get into it, then you get to know the character again, you get to know them and then, and who they are and what they want. And then it starts to flow a little more easily. Exactly. And again, this is all about, um, you know, editing is about getting in there and retuning and making things sharper, making things more precise. Um, it's not just simply about cutting things away or, or making sure uh, grammar is correct and that the spelling is done correctly. It's really about retuning the story so that you can pull in the reader um, or in this case, because you're going to submit this, you're going to pull in that editor or that publisher so that they immediately can get into that story and be excited about it and get taken away. Um, so we've talked about, you know, looking at the larger scene. We've talked about you know, the characters and, and making sure that our dialogue, you know, that, uh, that we're having unique characters that we're building. Another thing that you'll want to take a look at is the overall pacing of the story. Like you're going from different scenes. Like we um, I definitely go out and check the, uh, the episode on, on ridership where we do the short story, because this will really show you, because you can go and take a look at that and you can see what we're talking about, where we're talking about choosing where to start the story and also the pacing of the story. Because mm -hmm. you'll notice in those first um, five pages that it was all backstory. And the pacing of that backstory was particularly, was, was long, sentences were drawn out. And so if we wanted to like, immediately grab someone's attention and pull them in. Maybe if we look at it and use shorter sentences at the beginning um, to, to add more action just in that sense of reading. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, along with that, um, some other tweaks are to, um, to use act, you know, um, very strong uh, verbs Mm -hmm. Right. Crisp verbs that are, um, you know, that have punch. And I'm trying to think of stuff with lots of consonants, uh, consonants, not continents. Um, but um, uh, but definitely like staying away yeah. from danger words, you know, like where where we end up mm -hmm. using words like wonder or ponder or think and thought and feel and felt and the understood and anything that has an L-Y on the end of an adverb, like these are all little clues immediately take a look at it and see if you can replace that with a more active verb. And if you notice that you're writing in the passive voice or you're talking about things, this is what happened, this is what he did back then, that might be a good clue that you're not starting as active as you should be with your story. Yeah, yeah, I think the passive voice in particular where things are happening to the character rather than the character. I mean, obviously things happen to the character mm -hmm. and you know, that's a, you know, perfectly legitimate thing, but within the sentences when the character is not the actor um and that the, the subject of the sentence is being acted upon then that has that kind of languid feel to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and the same, if you have the same um, sentence structure over and over again, the same sentence start um, yes. as well, that that can become, even if you have shorter sentences, it still feel, it still has that feel, that slow kind of start because it's, there's nothing to like trip the brain and go, hey, wake up, 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, if you've noticed, you know, that you're using um, the pronouns to start every sentence or the every sentence. I see those ones a lot that come across my desk. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of those in a, in a row. And so it just it takes time again. <laughs> right. This is all about like getting in there and not being afraid to roll up your sleeves and get to work and um, trying to make every single one of these words matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like it's a challenge, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So um, like you once talked about too. the I think I think this was it the the to be verbs mm -hmm. that yeah. it's just um, and the and the adverbs that it's just a you know, these are um, little flags, little landmarks that show you where you can, um, where you can tighten the story and make it stronger. And so instead of being upset about, oh, I've used, you know, 15 LY adverbs uh, in these first few pages, um, you know, like be glad because you've got a little, you've got a signpost that will tell you where you need to strengthen and use stronger verbs in that. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, um, taking a look and, and rewriting um, in those spots where you need to and, and moving forward is going to be a big help in being able to get rid of that kind of voice and to, to be able to deliver a little bit more. Um, one of the things that uh, you could try, like if you're having a difficult time, like uh, being able to see this, and being able to describe things in different ways. Uh, oh, I guess I should start my sentence with this first. <laughs> Every one of these words matter. And we want to, to make sure that we are having these words do double duty. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by that is like, the word home has a very different meaning than the word house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, they both describe a structure, but a home describes like warmth and family and um, sitting down for dinner, whereas a, a house is just a building with walls. And so you're doing these, you're, you're reworking these lines. Um, take a look at the word choice that you've done. Is there another word that can mean the same thing, but also means something else that you're trying to describe in that sentence? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And again, the verbs are great like for that because instead of somebody walked, you know, somebody strutted or they sauntered or, you know, um, never use just plain old move, right? Because mm -hmm. that's, it's one of those, like it doesn't give you any real indication. Same with look to me, looking and seeing that they're, they feel more like, you know, they're generic and mm -hmm. it, um, and if you can give us a little, you know, a clue with a stronger verb, oh, staring or um, peering or, you know, that those words have much more precise meanings and you can convey so much more with those specific verbs than you can with the more general ones. Mm -hmm. And another on that, uh, on that topic there. So let's say, for instance, you know, you've said he, he looked at Anne as she approached and we do, uh, she, he stared at Anne, you know, and then we, we get a whole nother picture, but maybe that doesn't mean anything. Maybe you were just trying to say, you know, that he noticed Anne coming up. Well, instead of having, he looked as Anne walked up and walked up, you know, like yeah. <laughs> you can get rid of those looks and those here, if they're not important, you know, he heard right. the dog bark the dog barked the like, dog barked 
Yeah. yeah. Of course he heard it unless he was deaf, you know? Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> like this, these are just simple little things that you can do if the, if it has no meaning. It's like, yeah, it's going to the, going to the source, getting the, getting underneath what's really happening and what's important. Um, because of his perspective, if there's nothing, as you say, if there's nothing particular about his perspective that's necessary, then just, you know, just the facts is a much better approach for sure. Exactly. So, um, so that's going to help get in there, identifying all uh, your word choice, um, being able to, uh, if you've listened to the show before, you've heard me talk about word hero and unwriting. Um, unwriting is a fantastic way to get in there and uh, uh, rework the sentence, taking a look at what you're really trying to say, and then choose more powerful words to put in that place. Um, mm -hmm. Another couple of ideas here I just want to go through before we, before we end up, uh, end things today, is uh, the, the use of critique groups. And if you're not using um, critique groups, or beta readers. And I, I should say that I'm not a huge fan of critique groups per se. Um, mm -hmm. If you're in a group of people, you know, that are that are like 20 people and they've all read your work and they all have 20 different opinions, that's not very helpful. Um, but if you have, you know, some people that you can turn to, two or three people that you trust in different areas, like, you know, a person who writes short stories, a person who reads the genre you're writing in, um, these types of things that can really give you honest feedback and be able to tell you where things are slowing down, where things have bored them, um, if there's stuff that they didn't understand and had to read again. And you get those notes, that can be another great place to go through and edit that out before you submit it. Right. Yeah. I think that, you know, having somebody who has, you know, certain qualifications and those, it doesn't have to be like a professional editor, but someone, as you say, who reads in the genre and that, you know, will be able to give you that kind of, um, the helpful feedback that you're looking for. Um, because I know, I mean, there are people who are just absolutely against critique groups. I think Joanna Penn, um, for one is like, ah, I don't like them. I don't trust them. Um, because I think, um, for her, she sees it as kind of the blind leading the blind, which is not always the case. Um, but that's why, you know, it is important to find, um, people who have a sense of what's supposed to be in there and can be honest with you about it and give you some good, some helpful feedback. And I think beta readers are, is another great, um, great way to, to get good feedback for sure. Because yeah, people who understand, you know, people who read in the genre people who are not, um, don't feel shy about, um, saying, well, this didn't work for me and, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we've got a couple of great episodes on beta readers that uh, you can turn to and, and get an idea of, of what you should do when you're looking for them and how to engage them. Um, but again, the bottom line with it is trust, you know, that you're trusting someone, that they understand your voice, that they understand what it is that you're trying to, to write in and um, be able to give you great feedback that you can actually use, you know, instead of, again, instead of having... Uh, 20 differing opinions on how your character should be, you know, being able to see um, very clearly which character is working and which one's not, where the story arcs are not working. 
and be able to say, is this going to be able to, would this be something that you would read in a magazine or would it bore you and you would turn the page? Because that's what the editor, that's what the publisher is going to do. That's what they're looking for is something that's going to be able to engage and excite their readers so that they can sell it. Right. Because that's ultimately the, uh, the goal is to, and, uh, for them, <laughs> I mean. For, and it is, and you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, to get down to that. Oh, I've put all my work and effort and heart and, you know, soul into this story. And all they care about is that it's not going to engage a reader. Well, yeah, you've got to get to that point where you understand the business of publishing and they need to make a return. They're paying you uh, an amount and they want to make that back plus mm -hmm. some extra. Yeah. And and what I think about this is that, yeah, is that is definitely separating the right, the creator and the sort of the business person who is um, is submitting the work. Like, I mean, if you don't want those things to be considered, then um, then perhaps considering publication is not the best choice. Um, but just understanding that it is, you know, that it's your art at one point and then, you know, it can stay there, but if you want to publish it, then that is, um, it becomes, you know, I think the um, self-publishing podcast guys talk about the fact that it, it becomes a product at a certain point and then that's the time to look at it um, differently, more critically. Um, and, and I think at bottom, it's not like the um, the places where you submit these stories, it's not like they're being arbitrary or, oh, well, I just don't have a preference for this. It's that they're looking at, you know, what works in a story and because there are certain things that work and certain things that don't, um, even though we do have preferences, certainly. Mm -hmm. It's, um, is it, you know, is it working? Does the you know, does the mind of the reader pick up the things that it's supposed to pick up? And is there, um, is it clear and is it precise enough that they can find all of those points that, you know, make the brain go, oh yes, a story. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so um, like I do with any clients that I work with, you know, I always approach it in a commercial way and say, are you trying to get this you know, published commercially, and this is what we need to do. But maybe that's not the direction you're going. Maybe it's something that you're writing a series of short stories that you want to put together in a collection for your family, or it's just mm -hmm. your art. It's just something you enjoy doing. And these are ways that you can improve it and make it better. You just have to ask yourself what direction you're trying to go and then make sure that you understand that. Um, and that if your ultimate goal is for publication and getting paid for your work, then you need to really start examining um, the places that you're submitting it to, like even to the point where you know who the editor is and what, what have they bought in the past? You know, um, maybe they don't care for this particular type of, uh, of rivalry story that you've put together. Um, and and it's, it, that's what you got to do. Like if you want to become uh, a Gregory Norris who makes all of his money selling short stories, you know, you've really got to understand the market and you really have to understand what you're doing with your craft. Mm -hmm. And I think we got, went down a rabbit hole there. I'm sorry. I didn't mean yeah. to no. go down the publishing rabbit hole. I just, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think I agree. Like 
for most people who are looking at editing their work, they want to have it, you know, they want to share it with an audience, whether that's, you know, um, submitting it to a publication or collecting it for, you know, in their own anthology. Um, so I think it is important. I don't think it's that much of a rabbit trail. <laughs> Well, we are, uh, we are running out of time though. So, uh, lastly, did you want to add anything that, uh, that could be really helpful to editing a short story? Ah, uh, no pressure. Um, in, ten, in 10 words or less? In 10 words or less. Oh, I love it. I love a challenge. So what I would say is look at what needs to be there and cut everything else. I know that's the essence of it all, but what needs to be there? What's the bare bones? What is the essence of the story? And work from that piece out when you're editing. Exactly. So, and you're going to find it. If you do this more often, you're going to get better at it. Uh, you're not going to make my mistake that I did, you know, several years ago back in college and burying my story like on the last page of the short story that I submitted to the group. You know, and you're, you're going to be able to find where that story beginning is, move things around and make it awesome, which is exactly what we want you to do. So, and uh, hope you enjoyed the show. If you do enjoy it, please uh, take the time, uh, leave us a review on iTunes, uh, a, a like on YouTube or a plus on Google. That really helps people find the show and um, we want to engage more listeners and be able to help people uh, make their best writing possible. Also, come by our, uh, our Facebook page, our new Facebook page, and like it. Uh, share it with your author friends. And if you are an editor who would like to be a guest on the show, please drop us a line at thebookeditorshow.com. And I'm Clark Chamberlain, and for my lovely co-host, Leslie, Lisa, Watts, keep writing, keep learning, and build a better book. Thank you for listening, and come back next week for more. Please visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books and extras, and for information on how to be a guest on the show.